Last Sunday, you know, I was gone and uh, I got to spend some time in the Midwest and I got to, I think the lowest temperature that uh, I was a part of uh, one morning, I think it was 41. Um, and that is really like ideal weather. It would get up to about 60. Um, Saturday, uh, we were actually supposed to come home Saturday, but I got home Thursday night. We had some things come up and had to come home a little bit early. But Saturday morning, it was 31 with a wind chill of 28. I said, I left right in time. That just was a blessing. Um, but, you know, Pastor Gray, I've heard nothing but incredible uh, things from the sermon he preached last week. He started this new series uh, on harvest by preaching about the four soils. So let's give honor where honor is due and say thank you to Pastor Gray and our staff. And this morning, I get to preach the second installment on harvest, and it's called The Power of a Seed. I'm only going to take one uh, verse in the text. I'll read several more in the outline. But how I learned it, I learned it and memorized it uh, in my process of becoming a pastor um, in King James. That's where we had to, we had to memorize everything. And it reads in uh, Galatians 6 and 7 says, um, Be not deceived that God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Again, God shall not be mocked. Or be not deceived, God shall not be mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Let's pray. Father, today I thank you for the power of a seed. I thank you for your processes. I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that makes uh, preaching powerful. So, Father, today I'll ask you to just allow me the, to move past the excitement of being back in the pulpit and to the excitement of seeing my church family. But, Father, now enable me by the power of the Holy Spirit to speak clearly and precisely and allow your word to take effect. And I give you the praise and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. See, you only have to go to the first pages of the Bible. Matter of fact, it's the first page of the Bible as it is currently written. Now, we understand that the oldest book in the Bible is the book of Job, which is right in the middle. But through the sovereignty of the Holy Spirit and through uh, comprising all of those books, it starts out with the book of Genesis, or beginnings. And on page one, God starts to set in process an example of his creative power. And a lot of times we want God to do something supernaturally for us that allows us the uh, lack of responsibility of participation. But God, all of a sudden, in the first page of Scripture, decides that he is going to give you a principle of seed time and harvest. He is ba basically telling us that there is a, a need for him to be supernatural because before him there was nothing. The Bible says it was the earth was void. And then he started to create things out of his sovereignty. But once he created them, he engaged a process that he wouldn't have to recreate over and over again. And what I mean by that, let's just use something simple that most Floridians will, will wrap their mind around. How many of you are familiar with the orange tree? Say amen. 
Okay, so what God was saying is, is that I'm going to create the first orange tree, but then I don't have to show back up when that orange tree dies and create more orange trees. I'm going to produce a seed in the fruit. And the Bible says this in verse 12. And the earth brought forth vegetations, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds and trees bearing fruit in which their seed each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Now that's verse 12. Anytime in just a few verses, if God says something twice, that normally means it's important. And so he reiterates it in verse 29 and says, and God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, that every tree with its seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. So what the Bible is saying is, is that, that God created the first orange tree and it produced all these oranges, but inside the capacity of each orange was more seeds to create more orange trees. And so he didn't have to continue to do supernatural work of creating something out of nothing, but there was a process now that produced orange trees. Everybody with me? And then he was giving you the principle that every time that an orange tree uh, it drops an orange and that orange tree disintegrates and those seeds go into the ground, you should have an expectation in the process that God established to get more orange trees from an orange. And it is ridiculous for us to believe that an orange tree's orange would fall to the ground, the seeds would go into the ground and you would get an apple tree. But, you know, that's a lot of the way we pray. We keep sowing one seed over and over and over again. <clears throat> and I remember when I was see, sowing seeds of chaos and crisis and <clears throat> seeds of sin. And I would produce, I would have a harvest of all of those things. And I would pray, God, take those away. And he'd say, plant different seeds. And I'd say, God, just take it away. And, and he would say, okay, I'm going to give you a handful of new seeds and you plant those seeds and you'll get a new harvest. And I'm saying, no, I don't want to participate. I just want you to take it away. But he also set in a process, the potential of a seed is not based upon size. All of a sudden, do you realize I'm going to use this? Uh, we got uh, some slides in a few minutes, but we're going to use this sunflower seed. Do you know that the seeds inside of this thing are like a quarter of an inch? But yet it produces a flower that's four or five feet tall. That you would, if you looked at it, if I just pulled this out and put it in your hand. Matter of fact, most of you wouldn't even know what it was. Probably 99% you would look at it and go, oh, sunflower seed, and you'd eat it. Pastor's giving us something to eat. He's giving us a, a, a little snack before lunch. No, man, we meant for you to put it in the ground, not in your mouth. So when you saw this, you would think, oh, man, pastor's got a bag of sunflower seeds. But when you look at it, all of a sudden you would think, man, what potential could come from such a seed? The Bible reiterates this in the book of Matthew. It says, and he put together another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air 
and can come and make nest in its branches. Simply put, what he was saying is, is that the seed don't ever judge the potential of a seed based upon the size, because if you put the right seed in the right soil and you um, uh, and control the environment and allow that thing to be cultivated and you protect it, it can grow into a tree. Not just a little thing, but it could grow into a big thing. What would happen if we planted different seeds in the areas of our lives? Like our friendships, our relationships, our marriage, our business, our life, our faith, our calling. What if we put those seeds in the ground and allow God to bring a harvest? And this is the one thing that you have to understand about seeds. They never show you the hard work required or we wouldn't have any seeds. Look at this. We wouldn't have any fruit or no plants because you see that? They didn't put a picture of John Jones on this thing. John Jones is the guy that is personally responsible for the, uh, uh, the courtyard out there. And you know how I see John Jones out there in the courtyard? He don't look like he looks on Sunday. This dude is like dripping with sweat. He's got on his gloves and he, he, he is taking his little spade and he is on his hands and knees and he is crawling through the plants and he is digging up weeds one at a time and cultivating, talking to those plants and telling them he loves them and all of that good stuff. And he is doing all of this all while it is 115 with like a thousand percent humidity and he is soaking wet. And you know what? If I took a picture of John Jones out there, we wouldn't have a plant. Nobody would buy that. So why do they do it like this? Because they're selling you potential. What they are doing is wanting you to get cat your mind and your heart to get captured by a potential picture that could be. And all of a sudden they're saying, hey, in this bag is a potential for that flower. In this, in different bags of different seed, in this bag is a potential for a hundred acres of corn. In this bag is a potential for 400 acres of soybeans. I was in a soybean field this past week and a corn field this past week. And it, you know what? Each and every one of those fields started with seed. See, what God wants us to do is fall in love with a picture, a, a, a preferred vision, a picture of what could be a potential. Because if you fall in love with what could be, you'll do the work. See, you got to realize that when God gives, most of us pray this way, God, would you please do whatever is necessary in my life? What that really means is, especially people praying for like their marriage. I'm going to go ahead and just jump out in that right there. You know, what they're doing is, God, I just want such a great marriage. I want to, I want to have fellowship with my spouse. I want, the, I, I want you to do it, God. You just do it. And what they're really saying in their mind as they're praying, God, you change them. Because I know that I'm, I'm, I'm doing my job. And what God wants them to do. And, and then they pray that God, you just do it. And, and let's just say that we're going to use the example of, of this sunflower. You wanted a sunflower. So while you're wanting a sunflower, you know how we do planting the principle of sowing and reaping? It, prayer is a very important part. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But we try to, we, we don't really want miracles. We want magic. I'm going to say that again. We don't want miracles. We want magic. Because every miracle recorded in scripture required somebody's participation. 
God would do what they could not do, like providing enough meat and bread for 5,000 people out of a boy's sack lunch, but he didn't eat for anybody. He broke it, blessed it, and he gave it to them to put in their mouth. Remember the crippled dude? 38 years. He bent down to him. I'm astounded by the crazy questions in the Bible. God been crippled 38 years. He bends down and says, hey, man, you want to get healed? Of course I want to get healed. I've been doing this way for 38 years. You know it's going to change everything, right? You know you can't stay the same. If I do this, it, it, it changes everything tomorrow. You can't come back here and act like you're sick after I've healed you. See, so what we do when we want sunflowers on our lanai, what we do is we get out there in our, in our most spiritual outfits. We may even take a Bible and we point it at our lanai and go, in the name of Jesus, sunflower seed, a sunflower plant. And then we open up our eyes and there's no sunflower there. And then we go, oh, it must not be God's will. But I know some scripture. And so I know what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to call three of my friends because the Bible declares where any two or three of us agree together. And then now you're out there in a circle in your lanai and you're holding hands with people and you're going, in the name of Jesus, I want a sunflower. Amen. You open up your eyes and you ain't got no sunflower. You don't need a miracle. You need $2.49 and go to the local hardware store. Can God do it? Yes. But it is more beneficial for you to go through the process of acquiring the, the necessary participation to earn your sunflower than him to just give it to you. Because we got too many Christians on the milk of God's word. He said where we ask anything in his name. No, the first part says submit unto him. Oh, we don't like quoting that part. We just like to give me whatever I want part. And so he knows it's more beneficial for you to take this seed and put it in a pot and you guard that thing. Like it gets to 100 degrees, you're putting it in the air conditioning on the inside. You're giving it a little taste. It ain't raining today, so you bring out the water and you water your little thing. And, and you're, you're guarding it against bugs and, and pestilence. And, and you know there's some locusts around North Fort Myers at times, and you just garden it like this. Because you, what you want to see is all of a sudden you see the process spring out of that soil in a little green sprout. And you go, oh man, I'm on my way. And then you have something that you've participated in that God is blessing and allowing you to see what the seed time and harvest could be in your life. What would happen and what picture do you see in your participation? In the book of Corinthians, it says this. It says, I, being Paul, says, I, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. Did you know that God didn't plant and he didn't water? but he gave the growth. So Paul had to do his part. Apollos had to do his part. And then God did his part. So if you've got a prayer, you've been praying and it hasn't been answered. Don't shake your fist at heaven. Why don't you look in the mirror and say, what is it? What is my part that I might not be doing before I blame God for not doing it for me? Can somebody say amen? amen. Touch your neighbor and tell him amen. amen. <laughs> they show you a picture of a potential. Because if the picture captures your heart, you're willing to tear some junk up. See, sometimes we want our miracle, but we want to stay the same. See, 
When a field is not, when, when the, the winter time is coming, like in October up in Indiana, they go and they harvest these fields. They get those big combines out. I don't know if anybody has ever been around farming, but farming ain't what it used to be where guys were back there in the, their John Deere's. I almost wore a John Deere hat. I think I'm going to do that at the end of this series where I'll just have a green John Deere shirt and a green John Deere hat. But that's for another time. And they, they, they're eating dust. Now the cabs are air conditioned. They got GPS. They can read a book while this thing is going. Literally, it tells them they've GPS the field and it'll turn that big thing around at the end of it. And they just sit into it and, and just, to collect the stuff in case it breaks down. And so farming is a cool thing, but once they get the corn up, within a few days, what they do is they come and they mess the ground back up and they plant a cover crop that keeps the wind from taking away all the topsoil. And it looks like a beautiful field of grass. But yet if they want more corn, that beautiful field of grass has to get tore up. Somebody's got to bring a plow and decide, I've I done come to a picture of a preferred future that I'm willing to tear some stuff up. And if you want those things in your life, you got to be willing to tear some stuff up. You don't have to ask God to change the world. He could change you by you tearing up a little bit of stuff. You got to be willing to mess the ground up again and plant new seeds for a new harvest instead of living on what yesterday was because that seed's already been collected and he's waiting for you to put new seed back in the ground of your life. And we just keep praying for the good old days to come back. No, get some good old new days with some new seed. And all of a sudden, God starts to come into work. What do you see in this thing called church? What is the preferred picture that we're willing to tear some stuff up about? See, what is it that we're willing to fight the bugs and the weeds and we're willing to pray by faith for God to send the former and the latter rain? What is it that we have in the picture of our heart for Citygate and for your life? What are you willing to tear up for the right relationship at work? What are you willing to tear up for the right friendships? What are you willing to tear up to plant new seed to allow God to do something new in your life? I don't know. But when I see this, it makes me think if I want a sunflower, I got to do some work and I got to be willing to tear some stuff up. OK, but I want that sunflower and I've fallen in love with that sunflower. So I'm willing to do whatever it takes. What about your church? What's it look like? See, because when we get the if you're new here, we have some pillars of faith that we say is the spiritual DNA of Citygate. And one of those things is called radically redeemed. We believe that there is not a person on planet Earth. We don't believe that there's somebody in Southwest Florida that cannot be redeemed by the power of the gospel. So what kind of seeds do we have to plant to make sure that we are seeing the radically redeemed nature of God? We got to preach the gospel. If you're going to a church, if this isn't your home church and you're going to a church and they're not saying Jesus a thousand times during the service and they're telling you how to have better friends and 
and relationships and how to be a, a better successful business person without the power of Jesus, you're going to a self-help group because there's not, I, I'm, I'm just going to preach this thing. I'm not criticizing. I'm telling you, I love technology. I want the smoke if I'm not allergic to it. And I want the lights. I love those things. But let me tell you, if your life gets in chaos, I've never had somebody call me in the chaotic moments of their life and say, pastor, run to the sanctuary and turn on the lasers. They're telling me, get to Jesus, get in the presence of him and allow the power of the gospel to open up and allow me to find resource and hope. We need the gospel, man. I don't see people getting, I don't see our church growing like most people have church going. I'm not here, I promise you, man. If you wanna be a part of this, cause I'm gonna ask you to be a part of it. If you wanna be a part of this, I'm not for out churching all the other churches in town. I don't want to do church better. I, matter of fact, I don't want people from other churches. I want these empty seats filled with people that this Sunday aren't saved and next Sunday they are because of the power of the gospel. You say, well, pastor, what does it mean to be you know, radically redeemed? Hey man, if God could take a, a drug addict and, and you know, I sold a few here and there and, and, and make a preacher out of him, that's radically redeemed. Man, we got people been in jail. Man, I don't even know how they get our name. I guess Miss Ann passes around because as soon as they get out of jail, they show up at CityGate and they say, man, somebody told me about a church where you can have hope and they're not going to judge you and they can believe that the power of the blood of Jesus can set you free and get past their past. Ann. You say, well, pastor, we need to, do, I'm, 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 I'm officially going political. Just give me two more points here. I'm officially going, well, pastor, we, we need to stop this gun violence. Yeah, we need everybody that has a gun. It isn't taking their guns away. We need the people that have the guns to get saved. That sounds simple. We've waited for, well, let me just wait for the next point. Do we believe in radical redemption of the preaching of the gospel can save anybody in Southwest Florida? Then we believe in deliberate discipleship. To get to deliberate discipleship, you've got to sow the seed here of the word of God and prayer. Acts 2.42 says that early Christians were devoted to the word and prayer. Jerome, one of the saints, said ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. The reputation of Citygate is not just for people to come to the altar to get saved. We've had that for a while. We want them to grow up in their faith and mature through becoming a disciple, not just a believer. Amen? But to do that, we've got to decide that we can't live vicariously through a person coming up here every Sunday and telling you about God. You've got to put the word of God in your heart and in your life and allow that, uh, that personal devotion and that time of maturing to be for you. I should never be revelation. I should be confirmation. I shouldn't tell you how God whispers Pastor Dave's name in the middle of prayer, in the middle of the night. He should be whispering yours. And I, we got six of them. I'll probably only preach three of them. And then I may just start right here next week. Then courageous community. And this is going to get sideways. <laughs> the seeds sown here are behaviors within relationships that brings unity. Touch your neighbor and say unity. Seed forms. 
Colossians 3, 11 through 15 says here, here there is not Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you almost uh, almost must, uh, for, uh, the Lord has forgiven you, you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, which let the, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called into one body. Tell your neighbor again, unity. unity. And when God says something twice, he means it. Galatians 3, 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's courageous community. We've been looking for Washington to figure this thing out on all the social issues. If you're looking at the White House, I'm going to go ahead and preach this thing well, too. So you can send me the emails. I'm, I've, I've got a week. I've got nine days of breathing in fresh air from the woods. I'm ready for the emails. But I'm here to tell you there are people, go, there are people go, that are Christians that are falling apart at the seams over 2020's election of who's going to get elected and if it's this party or that party. I had a statement given to me at a conference uh, nine days ago that I think should ring true for Citygate and it will as long as I am the pastor. I am not of the elephant party and I am not of the donkey party. I am of the lamb party, the party that is above all others. So you worry about next November, but I know one thing, whoever tallies up in the ballot box with the most votes, I know one that sits on a throne above the White House. His name is Jesus and I'm going to be okay. Amen. Touch your neighbor and tell him you're going to be okay. All right, man. That, whoa. Whoa. If I wouldn't have been, I am going to be okay. Did you see that? I'm 51 years old, man. I caught that thing. I should have, I, I wish I had that over to do again. You only get one opportunity. If I'd have just went like that, like, <laughs> like Miss Biles in gymnastics, that would have been the best right there. But what is this thing about Greek and Jew? Male nor female, bond or free. What he was saying is that the power of the blood of Jesus is so powerful that it could obliterate every, bond, every boundary that once used to separate mankind because the Jews were under Roman domination and the centurion that they were worshiping with may have been responsible for crucifying some of their family. But Paul was saying he could take that kind of division where a man was crucified as a family member of another man and the person responsible could still sit in the same room under the power of the gospel because they have been brought together with the power of the blood of Jesus that is so overpowering that it could obliterate the past and provide a provision of a seed for a future. And what about this, maya, uh, uh, this bond and free? That means that there is no socioeconomic classes 
under the gospel. That we are not going to pander to those that have more to contribute, but every man, woman, boy, and girl at Citygate will be treated with the same respect and the same love, no matter what they've got in their bank accounts or what titles they have before their names. That means that when we come together, that the world is looking for the White House in Washington to solve these social issues of the divisions between races. What they should be doing is opening doors to communities of faith like Citygate and looking in there and go, man, I'm seeing a little bit of everybody in there because there isn't a black church and a white church. There's not a Hispanic church and a Latino church and a Haitian church. There is one body of Christ. We are it. Amen. See, you don't get so, if we don't address it politically, and I've tried to stay neutral, if we don't address it politically, then we give the right to CNN and Fox News to address it and identify it for us. Did anybody see this last trial where the young lady, she was a, 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 a deputy sheriff, I think, and she went in, she, you know, and they talk about her life and how she was doing things that weren't right, and she was you know, texting another man and everything. She got so confused. She walked into an apartment in the dark, walked in the wrong apartment, a, a man's apartment, and she shot him and killed him. Yeah, horrible. She's going to jail. I think she got like 10 years. Horrible accident. But did you see the dude's brother at the, at the uh, what do they call that? Um, the impact statement, the relative impact statement, walk up to the, the podium and say, hey, judge, I'd like for the defendant to give me permission because one, I've already forgiven her and I want the opportunity to go over there, lay my hands on the woman that killed my brother and pray for her. And she gave and granted permission. He went and prayed for her, moved the judge so much that she gave the woman a Bible. That's the gospel. That's faith. That's saying there's no Jew nor Greek, no male nor female, nor bond nor free. It's saying that the blood of Jesus is so powerful that I can't excuse what you did and you got to go to jail, but I want you to know when you're going, I love you. Woo! Judge got criticized for giving her a Bible. I bet the lady doesn't criticize her. See, that's the gospel. Amy, get ready. I've got three more pillars that I got to preach, but maybe I should just preach them next week. See, because I got an invisible picture of Citygate being full of people and us not having two services, but having like 10. My staff just went, holy smokes. <laughs> Lord, grant it, but give us more staff. <laughs> But in that church that's growing, what do the people sitting in empty seats look like? See, I don't just need more of you. I need more of all of us. See, the gospel is about an us, not a you. We've made it a personal thing, but God's saving you. And the purpose of him saving you is to plant a seed in you that can bring forth a harvest of unity within the body. Not just for you to find peace of knowing you're going to heaven, but to now experience expand that seed into more seed that allows other people to see your life and to see the reflection of God's glory in you. I used to make, you know, I think it's a, a you can play something, Amy. 
you want to. See, I think it's uh, a measure of a man when he can talk about the frailties of his mistake. See, I believe the gospel is multi-ethnic. It's multi-everything. It's not just different colors of skin tones coming together. It's not just men and women coming together. It's everybody. It's, it's Jew and Gentile. We're going to get some more teaching on that in the first of the year. You know, everybody basically wasn't a Jew, was a Gentile. And then the, they were, the Greek Gentiles were just as racist as the Jews. And they said everybody that doesn't speak Greek, they're barbarians. I, I have two beautiful granddaughters. They both are right here, both asleep. You know, that's the power of my preaching. I got this one, Riley, and then Mila Rose. And we got a chance to spend some time with both of them. Both of them have learned the word Papa. Papa. I love that sound. But... Right in the middle of my conversation yesterday with Mila Rose, she goes, Ocho. I said, what? Ocho. <laughs> because her mother is from Mexico and her dad is from the southeastern United States of America, Gainesville, Florida. But do you know that according to the Bible, my granddaughter would have been classified as a barbarian because she didn't speak Greek. And I used to say these words and I want to I say them out loud so you don't say them again. Because of my background in sports, I used to say to people like Matt, to say, man, I've been in environments with people of different cultures all of my life. Matter of fact, the first person I ever spent the night with a sleepover was an African-American family. And I used to, used to say this, because of my life experiences, I am colorblind. I don't see color. And that's cool when you're white. But when you're of another color, you want to know, hey man, will somebody see me for who I am? Or do I got to act like I'm white too? No, we're a church where we look like a bouquet of flowers and we see each and every color and the distinction of that color. And when they come together, it becomes a bouquet that has a fragrance of the anointing of God. If you're African American, you be African American. If you're Latino, be Latino. If you're Caucasian, be Caucasian. But when we come together, we are city gate under the banner of the name of Jesus, the name that is lifted high above others. It is a seed that we will plant in the ground and we will see harvest. We will. There's a picture that I've seen. I don't know, Nathan, where is he at? Can y'all, uh, did y'all, did y'all get a picture uh, or a video of that young man quoting scripture back there in City Gate? Oh, I'll have that next week. I went into, into children's ministry this week. I'm trying to think of the young man's name. Clemente I walked in and he said pastor listen to this and he took two steps back and he quoted his Bible verse and I said man <laughs> take a picture of that I want, I want the sanctuary to see it 
Kamari, maybe Kamari. And I thought to myself, man, what we're going to plant as seed form will be a harvest for those kids back there in the back. They're going to see, they're going to walk into a fellowship and say, you can be who you are, but we are going to submit everything that we are to him. And that means we're going to have the blood of Jesus obliterate every boundary that once bound our cultures and bound our city, but we are going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and we are going to see radical redemption. We are going to see people transformed in Jesus name. Can somebody say amen? So it's time for me to stop before Amy sings and David, I think David's got a part in this one too. Are you singing the same thing? Uh-huh. Okay. I'm going to walk an aisle for a minute. What do you see in your life and in your church? What's the picture God wants to capture your heart with and you're willing to do all the work? What are you willing to tear up? What if God, what if you've been praying for a better marriage and God's going to hand you a seed? What if you've been praying for a better friendship and God's going to hand you a seed? instead of a room full of friends. What if what what is God going to hand you? What pictures capturing your heart? What do you see? What do you see when you come into the house of God? Do you see this group of people worshiping over there and this group of people worshiping over there? Do you see them all coming together and say, "Man, all we want to do is be Jesus." What pictures going to capture your heart? That steals you away. I didn't even get to miracles like faith-filled where we believe that if we gather together as the people of God in unity that He shows up and when people come to the altars they not only get saved but people with crutches just drop them and start walking. People that are broken and bound by the chains of addiction just seem to drop off because of the power of the gospel. What do you see that captures your heart? eyes for a moment. Let's pray for revival.